Girl, I got a new word for you. I got a new word for you. It's called lesbophobia. I've never heard it before this documentary, and I fucking love it. Everyone get into it. Get into it like how much you hate it, because we're not like encouraging lesbophobia. We're actually doing the very opposite. I'm telling you, this is the most pro-lesbian podcast on the internet. Find the lie. I'm half one, right, at this point? <laughs> That's true. Oh, you're right. Welcome out, girl. I'm re-welcoming you out of the closet Thanks. today. <laughs> Thanks. You've been doing that weekly, it seems. You're very. You're more excited than I am to finally be out <laughs> The world. <laughs> Hi, Julia Bentavalli. Hi, Patrick Hines. Oh my God, you guys! If you want more non-lesbophobia, join us on the Patreon. Every month, you get four full ad-free bonus episodes to download a binge the second you join. That means you have access to like over three hundred episodes of podcasts, like right away. And so, we're talking Night Stalker. We're talking the Jinx. We're talking uh, the Staircase that had a lot of homophobia and lesbophobia. I'm sure Freda would hate. Oh, she hates all gay. She hates everybody. Yeah, the Jinx and the Gacy thing. Lula Rich. We're doing Relentless right now. So much stuff. You can also get our six episodes on the Scott Peterson one where the, it's like from the side of maybe he's innocent. Oh, because the one that his family made that's super biased. Totally. Yeah. And then what about the Menendez brothers? You can decide if my crush on Eric is appropriate or not. They served their time. I'm sorry. They were abused. Deal with it. These are not spoilers. They're, the no. episodes are really great. We're going to Broadway, you guys. April 11th. It's a Monday night. I want to make sure everybody with a ticket is there or everybody who has a ticket and can't go has a place to give it to somebody who wants it. So go to the Facebook group. Our amazing mod, Sasha, is moderating a post where you can unload your tickets, try to get your tickets. Let me tell you, we hired a Broadway director. We are working on some secrets and surprises. This show is going to be talked about forever. That's all I have to say about it. Yeah, we have rehearsal on Friday. I think I'm going to wear leg warmers. I'm going to do the whole dancer thing. <laughs> oh, join the Facebook group, you guys. True Crime Obsessed Podcast Discussion Group. Uh, follow us on Instagram. What else? Yeah, True Crime Obsessed Podcast over on the Insta. And yeah, yeah I don't know. Let's just burn down the patriarchy, shall we? Okay, great. All right, girl, what are we talking about today? I was got so into it, I didn't write the title down. It's called Murder by the Coast. It's on Netflix. It was a very major case which had ripped the nation. This was a story that had all sorts of things for journalists, for papers. I just think, oh, I better watch him because he's scaring me. Sonia goes missing. Wow, not another girl going missing. And of course, there was a twist because someone had already been convicted. So this made it even more of a story. What value is put on women's lives astounds me sometimes. Real quick, a lot of it is in Spanish. So the audio that you're going to hear, some of it is going to be dubbed, which means that it's voice actors reading and translating <laughs> <Yes>. this. So, <laughs> and it sounds kind of interesting because they're all British. Totally. Let me tell you, we get a clip right at the top and we never see it again. And it is. Is everyone ready? Because I won't say it twice. For one year and 11 months, a family has been suffering the loss of this person. And on Saturday, you called this a melodrama. On Sunday, you described it as being like an Almodovar film. This isn't a melodrama. 
It's a trial about a 19-year-old girl. There's a woman who's in front of cameras and reporters, and she says, is everyone ready? Because I won't say it twice. And I am upset. I want to walk into every room and just say that. Are you ready? Because I'm not doing this twice. I totally agree with you. We're going to find out, at least for my money, this lady's kind of garbage. 1,000%. But at first, I'm like, what a way to start a documentary. We're in Spain. We're in a town in Spain. It's by the coast. That's all we know. We're learning about this group of girls, and we're like, we're with the older, it's very Yellow Jackets. We're with the older version of the girls right now. Uh They're talking about their younger selves, and they loved playing soccer, and there's this one girl named Rocio, and she was one of them, and she's not here anymore, and they're just kind of like reminiscing and looking back at like what, how great it was to be young and fabulous. Our friends and relatives sat here. Yeah, everyone came. Her mother came, Rocio, Rosa, Alicia, everyone came. All the mummies sat here. They were reminiscing about when they, like how they would cheer when they scored and they do a dance and then say, no copyright, no copyright. And I'm like, I don't know what that means, but it's (laughs) cute. It's a really cute little moment. I'm glad to hear you say that because I was like, I don't understand the copyright joke. I don't get it. I think it's their version of like TM, 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 TM. Like this is our cute little dance and that's not for you and it's our thing. It's very sweet. So Rocio is our victim here and um, her boyfriend was Tony. We see pictures of Tony. He was like really hot. Yeah, because he didn't do it. So he can be as hot as you want him to be. As hot as you feel he is he's allowed to do because he didn't do it i wrote i concur (laughs) well tony was the most handsome guy yeah he was the most good looking and so was she yeah they were a beautiful couple then we meet fabrice and he's rocio's friend and he tells us about this carnival and there was a heavy metal area like the music like a certain (laughs) section of the carnival i know where they were drinking a lot of calimocho which is coca-cola and red wine see they do have coke in spain ew that sounds disgusting Fabrice, who's also hot and talks very fast. And the back section was the area for young people, the area right next to the river, which is where they set up four shacks, as we called them. And that's where we drink calimocho, which is what we had back then. A lot of calimocho, a lot of heavy metal, a lot of rock. But it was really a great vibe, to be honest. Always. I feel like the voiceover actor was kind of like, wait, I've got to do that that fast? Oh my God. They have Netflix money. They're like, just record it and we'll speed it up. It's really fine. But we're jumping to October 9th, 1999, and we're back with Fabrice. And he was saying, like, look, we were all going to the fair. We were all going to meet at 10 o'clock. I gooked it. I was like, why are these kids going out at 10 o'clock at night on a school night? Actually, this date, October 9th, 1999, was a Saturday. So it's fine. Still a little late for these high schoolers to be going I don't know out. why you are aging yourself to be 88 years old. <laughs> that... that- we're talking about a murder and the thing you were like the ch- they're out at what time that's the thing that you just like stopped you in your fucking tracks 10 o'clock is late for the night to be starting anyway Rocio never shows up she doesn't make it to the party yeah so they know that she left her boyfriend's house and that's kind of it so then we just get one day missing and her mother Alicia is out looking for her that night my daughter never shows up so we go and look for her we walk along and I see a stain quite a big one. I say, oh, look at that really big blood stain over there. And I say, looks like someone's killed an animal. So I go a little closer. And I see my daughter's trainers. Those are Rocio's trainers. She saw her daughter's sneakers and she calls herself hysterical. And she said, like, she's like, please call the police right away. Yeah. So we meet Dr. Francisco Gonzalez, the medical examiner. (laughs) He made some assessments. He's like, number one, there had been an incident. And I'm like, great, thank you. <laughs> Two. I know. This incident resulted in a lot of blood. Thus, 
there was some kind of an assault. And I'm like, thank you so much, Doc. Yeah, he says it was probably blunt force trauma to the nose or the mouth. He said it was maybe also a stabbing. And he's following this trail of blood that seems to end at car tracks. So like this body was dragged over to like where a car was and then like the car sped off. Yeah, so they find some things, right? At the tire tracks, yes. There was a bloodstained tissue. Uh, Her sneakers were at the scene with some blood on them. Cigarette butts. And they wanted to run DNA on it. And they do. And all they find is that there's male DNA on it. And that's kind of it, right? And at first I'm like, sounds like they're kind of doing the right thing over in Spain. They took absolutely everything they could from the scene. It feels like they're kind of, you know, they're working the case. But we're back with Febreze talking really fast and looking really sexy. I remember how that morning I put on the news and heard on the news on the radio how Rafael Vaninkov had disappeared. And it hit me. I started to cry. My boss said, what's the matter? I said, it's my friend. I don't know. What happened? And that's when I started to hear that in La Cala, the local police, medical personnel were were looking, had started a search operation. And he says he was at work. And I said, this Fabrice becomes me at a couple of moments in this whole thing because he's like, I was at work, I heard the news, and I became immediately hysterical. And I was like, Fabrice, I see a lot of myself in you. He asked the boss if he can leave so he and his friends can go join the search. And I said, you know what? Sometimes men aren't the worst. I know. And he's like, we don't know where her body, like we have to, we want to be a part of it, right? So, Yeah. Uh, So her mom, Alicia, is making all these pleas on the news and she's thanking everyone for their help and they're searching everywhere. I'm asking everyone to please bring my daughter back and to treat her as well as possible. So many people. Thank you so much to the many people who are helping us. Can I just say that like the townspeople really show up en masse to search for her, but they're all like dressed up with their hair done and makeup. Are they? Yeah. It re- at some point, somebody refers to it as like a Pedro Maldivar movie. I'm like, it kind of actually does look oh my like God. that. They're all like dolled up. They look fabulous, but yet they're searching like the trees and the woods for a body. Right. And then they have that horrible realization that we encounter a lot because our job is weird. That thing of like, yeah. we want to find her, but oh God, what if we find her? What if I'm the one who finds her? This is where Fabrice is me again, where Fabrice is like, I was going to search the hills. And then I was like, what if I'm the one that pulls the manhole cover over and she's in there. Here's the thing. I want to look for all the bodies too, but I should never be the one to find the body. No, oh God, no. Please don't. <laughs> you know Please not I mean? you. Anyone, anyone but you. <laughs> if we were getting close to the spot where you think the body might be, somebody somebody pull me aside and, and, and you go do it. Just point. <laughs> Usually I prefer people to use their words, but I know better. So, mime it. Mime it. I love that you and I both show up to the search and you go, oh, oh. you're here. Okay. Can we get eye, Can we get eyes on Heinz? Great. Oh, someone told him the real time because I was going to tell him the other. Okay, great. No, 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 no. no. Okay, it's okay. No, he's, here. he's here anyway. It's fine. Don't, I, don't, all, it's all the help we can get. Don't like send him home. But just, don't and if I'm being honest, like I'm not going up any hills or into any woods. You, you know what? Why don't you just stay here? Just be the lookout here in case anything's better. If you yeah. stay in one spot, we'll just come here. It's fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm here for moral support. We all know that. Oh, my God. And to play Wordle while you guys look. You know what I mean? Game's not going to play itself, GP. I know. Play it every day. So the press is like staked out outside of Rocio's house. The family came out to talk to the media every few minutes. We were calling for them. If no one is there, if no one says anything, if no one talks, and well, then people forget. And as you can see, all the media are here. The press is here. All the TV stations are here. 
is the only way to keep this alive. This is a family that's like, they are the opposite of the Madeleine McCann family. They're like, we are going to use the press to our advantage. We're going to talk to them all the time. They got to find her. Right, and I understand that. But they also, one of the journalists is like, yeah, they were coming out to talk to the media because we were calling for them. They were like demanding that they come outside and talk to the press. And I'm like, can we meet in the middle? Can we keep the story alive and also not harass this family? Thank you so much. There's also one girl, I think it might be her sister, who's like, she literally is like, the translation is like, come on, man, just give her back. Dead or alive. I don't care. Just give her back. So three weeks go by and everyone is super anxious and really sad and some people are feeling hopeless and... Are you talking about the mood of pervasive sadness as one of the journalists says? I mean, accurate, right? Ugh. So 25 days go by and Rocio's body is found and it's she's hidden yeah. in hedges in that like a housing development and they say that she was there for a really long time because they just find bones. Like her body was really far along in decomposition and that's heartbreaking. And while they were collecting samples, they found some bags, big black bin bags, in which they found some clothing particularly some T-shirts. Based on those T-shirts, we began to feel reasonably confident that the cadaver might belong to the girl, to Rocío Vanikov. But her friends can't believe it because they were like, it was 12 miles away. Like, it felt really close to them to where they were searching. Yeah. Poor fucking Fabrice, who's like, to this day, I wander by that site every day and cry. I know. And then we get the thing that we also always get where they, it takes six medical examiners to do this autopsy because they know there's a lot of eyes on this case and they want to get it right. You go ahead and say it, GP. Uh, because she's also a fucking person to do your job. Thanks. Right. <laughs> Let's get it right for everybody, not just the one that people are looking at, right? Let's just get it right for everybody. Please. So they say, though, what, what's hard is that they only had bones, right? So they, they say that they had to, quote, get creative when it came to trying to find out what actually happened. The cadaver showed a series of injuries, uh, mostly to the back. I think there were around eight very similar stab wounds produced by a single-edged bladed weapon. Conclusions? Well, that this was a very brutal attack. From the clothes and the evidence they find, they can figure out that Rocio was stabbed multiple times, and it was vicious and repetitive, but also relatively quick. And they have no suspects. And so we're at the funeral. Oh my God, the funeral, this funeral is crazy to watch. Uh, yeah. Because the church is packed full of people. The reporters are so close to the door on the outside of the church that when the family is coming, they, they're carrying the casket, which I guess is a tradition that they do. And they're like, they're just trying to get out of the church and nobody will move. And they're just stuck standing there holding a casket. Someone is pushing the cameras away, screaming, like, show yeah. some fucking respect. So the, everyone is emotional, obviously. No one wants to say goodbye to their friend, their loved one. But then the press is, they're all being nightmares. And then someone finally goes, can you give her a minute? This is her mother. And I'm like, seriously, back off. And, like, the community is terrified. And, of course, that is being perpetuated by the media. And, like, they drag the story out for forever. It's all the fear-mongering you can imagine. They want people to be terrified. Just real quick, before we go any further, we meet Paz, the criminologist, and she's awesome. At that point, naturally, everyone around Rocio and even everyone from Rocio's village is scared. And that fear is in part fed by the social panic built by the press, particularly all the television programs about the case. She's like, the press isn't helping in fact they're causing the panic so this is a nightmare we need to like something's got to give here and it does yeah and so they create a task force and it's well received by the public they find fingerprints on those plastic trash bags they also analyze the car tracks and they find two fabric fibers on rocio's body so they also say that rocio was found with her legs spread open and the cops are like well this looks staged it's, it's like too exaggerated right and so they're saying that the murderer did this to 
make it look like she'd been sexually assaulted. And then based on this, they just completely rule out sexual assault. What? To which I was like, can we look into that a little? Like, let's just look into that just a tiny bit. Don't you want to be 100% positive? You don't want to just lean into the like, well, odds are. Also, odds are you're fucking wrong. Like, what is going on? I just said, this is an odd detail because they focus on the motive as hatred and revenge, which I guess becomes important when they get their suspect because in order for it to be hatred or revenge, it would have to be somebody that she knew. And so they begin to question the people closest to Rocio Vaninkov. They even questioned her boyfriend, and even Rocio's family, and everyone. They all had an alibi. And so, of course, they look into the boyfriend, they look into the family, and everyone has an alibi. Everybody. So they say a year goes by, the police narrow the suspects down to two men and one woman. Someone reported seeing this woman stabbing a picture of Rocio. We'll get the full story on that later. So this is the year 2000 in September, and they land on Maria Dolores Vasquez, a.k.a. Lolly, but it's Dolores, really, is what they call her. Yes. And she is accused of murder. There's a crowd chanting murderer. It's absolutely terrifying. <gasps> Wait, I have this whole thing. I said there's a mob waiting for her outside the police station, and literally not since Truth or Dare have I seen such a large group of people in Spain all worked up. Madonna! 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 I thought that was Italy. <laughs> or was it? No, she was banned in Italy. Whatever. It's just it's Don't a- ruin it for me, GP. Because you're going, murderer, Madonna, murderer, Madonna. Oh I cannot hear myself. It's a rip-roaring good time if you haven't seen the Truth or Dare documentary. You guys, if you're not on the page, the very second thing we ever covered on Patreon was Madonna's Truth or Dare. We never talk about it anymore. It is one of the best things we've... I remember editing that episode myself. It is one of the best the soup. episodes we If you know, you know. Again, it's just... It's, it's a whole thing. If you have not listened to Truth or Dare on the page, go do it right now. You will not be sorry. And also watch it. This is a word that is so overused, but it truly is iconic. Iconic. Absolutely. So... You know, let's uh, let's dive into Dolores. She was incredibly close yes. to Rocio. After, you know, after Rocio's parents got divorced, she helped her mother take care of the kids, making dinner. She's like a second mother. Oh, also, she was Alicia's partner. The victim's mother, Alicia, is someone who had three children. She'd separated from a husband who lived in Holland, and she'd formed a relationship with someone. She was part of a couple with Dolores Vasquez. Yes, she was her lesbian lover. Right. And this is the thing, like, this comes out of nowhere. I dropped everything I could think of. I started, how long till my soul gets it right? (laughs) Like, nobody in the world loves lesbians more than I do. And all of a sudden, we're talking about them, and I was very happy. I know. I knew you'd love this. So we learn Dolores and Alicia were in an intimate relationship for 11 years. But yes. at the time of the murder, they'd been broken up for four years. And, you know, the thing is, finally, Alicia, Rocio's mother, is like, I loved her more than I've ever loved anyone. I truly loved her. I loved her. Like, she says it a thousand times. But we learn, like, in the relationship, Alicia was, like, kind of closeted. We'll get back to that later. But we meet Dolores' sisters. Everyone is so happy for them. Everyone right. is like, we loved Rocio. We loved the whole family. Every Their, their relationship was wonderful. It feels very, like, progressive. Everyone's on the same page. It seems like they lived a very happy life together. And then we meet Jose from the Supreme Court, the Supreme Court Justice, and he's like, here's the motive we put forward. One of the motives that any jury or any professional tribunal could begin to understand, which is that the girl was an obstacle, was against, or was a problem for the relationship that Dolores had with the mother. So now we have a motive. The motive? 
that is put forth is that Dolores killed Rocio because Rocio was too jealous and Alicia wouldn't get back with Dolores because of her daughter. So Dolores killed the girl that she basically helped raise. And I said, nobody's really connecting the dots on this. It doesn't make any fucking sense. But then Alicia, the mother, goes on the news and she's like, absolutely, that's 1000% what happened. And I'm like, oh, wait, I I thought you were just saying you truly loved her so much. So all of this is out there. And now the, I mean, Dolores is guilty from the minute she was arrested. The media ate this shit up. It was a crime that provided material for TV programs, one of the first in that respect, because all the elements together were very paradigmatic of many underlying social questions fundamentally lesbophobia. This is where we hear the word lesbophobia for the first time. My mom is a lesbian. I remember my mom being out lesbian in the 90s. It was a fucking nightmare for her. Yeah. Like anything to crucify these people. And the news is just, they're such trash because this guy on the news is like, do you think she did it? What does your heart tell you? And then the, the other news anchor is like, my heart says she's guilty and she's a lesbian. And I'm like, what? What am I watching? What does your heart tell you on the news? I know. And they say that they just painted this image of her in the media as being this like cold, calculated woman who waited and planned this murder for four years because she hated Rocio. Right. What no one is really saying is that there was so much pressure on this task force to get a fucking murderer that like this was the kind of person that no one's going to come out and defend other than her sisters and no one's listening to her. It's an easy scapegoat. And like the fact that Rocio's mother is just going along with it is fucking bananas. What happened there? Like, why did you guys break up? I know. I know that number one. And two, it's like we see this all the time, though. It's like she wants closure, too. So if this is something that she can focus her anger and her sadness on, then like she's going to take that. That's I mean, this happens all the time. And they say this character was being creative, this like super cold lesbian and all lesbians are mean and harsh and manly and blah, blah, fucking blah. So we jumped to one year after the arrest. We're at the courthouse. It's the start of the trial. People wanted to follow the trial day by day, and they didn't miss a single one. They were queuing for four or five hours to get into court and watch what would happen. I think that's the most brutal memory I have. I'm going to follow the whole trial. I've got nothing else to do. Because I'm retired and I have nothing to do. It's a media circus. (laughs) This woman, this woman goes on the news and she goes, of course, I'm going to watch the entire trial. I have nothing else to do. I'm retired. I'm bored as hell. I have nothing better to do. I'm going to watch this whole goddamn thing. And actually, I'm going to side with the dead girl's mother is what she says. I know. Because I'm a mother too. And losing your child is a really big thing. Also, everyone says the other lesbian is super mean. So I'm going to side with the lesbian that I think is nicer. And can I just say that this lady who says she's going to come to court and watch the trial every day because she's retired and has nothing else to do, she looks like she's 50. You guys, America, we got to get this together. These Europeans are retiring in their 50s with like the rest of their fucking lives ahead of them. They're so bored, they get to do this. May she never be on a jury. God help us. <laughs> I know. But I mean, America is so guilty of this too. Like the Jody Arias and the Scott Peterson trials where there's so many people who want to go and they have to do a fucking lottery system. I mean, come on, you guys. All those girls like dressed all to the nines for uh, Night Stalker, oh, yeah. Richard Ramirez, because they all had the hots for him. Like, we are sick. Humanity is fucked. Like, we're, what are we doing here? Why haven't we imploded yet? At just a matter of time. We don't even deserve it's it. It's literally like a matter of time, though. Like, we got like another year or two of this planet, no? Um, yeah, that's pretty generous. Might as well have fun, girl. It's January. It's 98 degrees. I wore shorts to work today, girl. <laughs> so the trial starts. Over 50 witnesses are going to testify about, like, what a mean lesbian she is. I know. 
Oh my because god. Because the thing it's all about like how mean and vindictive she is because there's no actual evidence against Dolores. Like there's no evidence that she did it, so they're just going to paint her out to be the big mean scary lesbian. One detective literally is like, "We actually don't have any evidence, so we're just going to throw things at the wall and see what sticks." And someone says, "Wait, wait, wait, wait. The investigation isn't even over. Can you give us like 5 seconds?" And he goes, "We don't even really know what happened." I said, "Then why was she arrested? Why are we starting to have a trial if the the civil guard, these elite cops are saying we actually, our investigation's like, we just started. What are you doing? They say that her hatred of Rocio was their main evidence. Unbelievable. How how I haven't been locked away for just my hatred for something, I, I'll never know. I was just going to say, do you know how many people I hate that I haven't murdered? You know what I mean? I should be in prison, according to these people. You and I can still podcast from prison, though, right? Yeah, ear hustle. We can totally do it. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> Way to name check ear hustle, GP. Well done. It was it was the podcast from prison. Come on, hundred percent. I li- you think I live under a rock? And sometimes you think I'm the no. coolest person for staying up past ten o'clock, and sometimes you think I just sit in my house and do nothing and I don't know anything. Like you can't pick a lane sometimes, and I love that. <laughs> I can't believe you thought I was going to go to the woods searching. I'm here to play Wordle and support. Thank God. Just stay put. Don't even move. (laughs) Stay right there. No. I'm going to lean against this tree and play Wordle as long as I got service. Great. No one's arguing. Stay there. (laughs) Great. (laughs) Now we meet this horrible fucking Russian house cleaner. So remember the story about we saw that woman, Dolores, stabbing a picture of Rocio with a knife? This is evidence used in the fucking trial. This is no joke. Dolores is saying, that lady is my Russian housekeeper. She doesn't speak a word of Spanish. I saw a missing flyer of this young woman that I fucking love that I basically raised and I was upset and I was trying to explain to my housekeeper that she had been stabbed to death. And the Russian was like, I hate this lesbian. This is my chance to get her. As everyone remembers, there were lots of photos of her posted around the neighborhood, etc. But one of those photographs, she got a kitchen knife and started stabbing it. When she did it with a knife and said, this is my problem, this is my problem. She explained, I was at home and I was crying at the sight of Rocio's picture and because my cleaner barely understands Spanish, I got a knife to show that Rocio had been killed. So here's like all the evidence that Dolores had nothing to do with this. One, she wasn't there at the scene of the crime. The tire marks don't match her car. The fabric fibers also don't match a single item of her clothing. The fingerprints on the garbage bags are not hers. Oh, also, she has an airtight alibi. She was babysitting her niece. Yes, and it's just like these people have alibis. It doesn't matter. Guilty because lesbian. Right, and they, she's me. She's shrill. She has a bit of an attitude. <laughs> I, I and also because the thing is, she wasn't screaming about how she was innocent. So people thought that yeah. that meant she was guilty but also she's too cold it's like you can't fucking win they say she's a repressed homosexual and they are even more violent than your average homosexual what <laughs> look i know we've covered like the gacy and the dumber look there are some definitely some violent gays out there but statistically i feel like we fare better than you straights yeah i mean i don't know <laughs> oh wait oh wait i just put you in a box that you're not in anymore there are definitely fewer murderous bisexuals i would go on a limb and say that okay great oh wait <laughs> Did you mean? Do you? Are you saying I'm more murderous than you? No, I'm saying you are less. When oh, I thought oh, you okay. were straight, I was saying maybe more. But now that we remember that you're bi, you're probably less. This is turning my brain into a pretzel. I'm like, did I do it or not? <laughs> am, am I about to be wrongfully imprisoned? Like, what's happening? 
<laughs> you know what Zelda says? What's going to happen to one of us? God help you because no one's going to save you. Any minute now. Any second of the day. Um, so then Alicia goes on the stand and she testifies that Dolores would hide their relationship. When I went visiting or someone came to the house, she always introduced me as her sister because she was ashamed of our relationship. But then Dolores goes on the stand and she's like, hi, does anyone want to look for the actual murderer? Like that, that that's her whole MO on the stand. And that's what Dolores is saying. She's like, I understand I'm going down for this for liking the Indigo Girls, but could you at the same time look for the real fucking killer? Bada bing, bada boom, she gets 15 years. Guilty. Yeah. And so Elvira, Dolores' sister, there we see footage of Elvira, her. Elvira, like, also a lesbian, just the other Elvira came out. Did you know this? I know. She's been married for like 40 years, right? Good for her. So Elvira, Dolores' sister, is like, I'm sorry, gather around. You're old yeah. journalist, right? Journalist. Totally. Is there any evidence that my sister did this? No, but you're all going to be nightmares about it anyway. Great. Excellent. Have a wonderful day. So now we jump to 2003. We meet Encarna Guzman. She's the mother of a young woman named Sonia Carabantes. We don't know what that means yet, but we're just getting this story from Encarna. Right. And she says she wakes up one morning. Sonia's missing. Her friends said they dropped her off at the front door, but mysteriously, she's not at home. And so her mother starts looking for her, like running up and down the block. And I said, well, she's not here. So I went to look and from where? From our door, three houses before you reach my house. Well, in the tree, there was a shoe, a bag, her mobile on the ground. My husband's car had blood on it, and our neighbor's car had blood on it, too. So we get the backstory on this family. We learn that Encarna and her husband, they met in this place called Coin, the town where they live. They get married. They move to Switzerland for his work. They have three kids. Sonia's the baby. And they stay there for a long time. But when the older boys are, like, are out of the house, Sonia wants to come back to Spain. And so they do. They come back in 2001, and Sonia is 17. And that's how they ended up in this town where they are. Right. And so then when she goes missing... The mayor of coin, which sounds like something out of Game of Thrones, like master of coin, the mayor of coin. He gets a call from the cops and they're like, hey, uh, someone's missing. You should look for her in your town. And th- this mayor's like, nope, you're wrong. Nobody's missing. I would know. Not a single person's missing. At that time, the first thing I told him was that I had no information and that no girl had gone missing in coin. He assured me that this was the case. Then I started to see vehicles, media broadcast trucks. That then made me suspicious, and naturally, things started to make me feel uneasy. So I sent the police chief, and that's when he told me that Sonia disappeared early that morning. And so the, the local cops are trying to connect Sonia's disappearance to a series of sexual assaults that have been happening nearby. They're also trying to connect it to Rocio because the girls look alike. Like there's a lot of similarities in the disappearances. And I was like, wait, I thought we already got the person for that one. Also, when the parents report her missing, they have to talk to the press. And there is this painfully awkward. Are you too close? Can you get close to the mic? Closer, please. Is it too close? What about here? What about here? Is this too close? Is this too close? And then finally, the journalists go, you know what? You stay put. We'll come to you. It is 10 minutes of. Are we here? Is this good? No? I know. Is this good? Is this too close? Okay, great. Is this good? You stay put. We'll come. We'll just come right over there. That, and the dubbing of it is very awkward. The dubbing of it is very like Maggie and Lancey and Timmy We're in the back woods. in the woods and more Murray. Is that it? What? A leaf? No? What? Is that green? What? Oh, nothing. Burger Deluxe. 
Well, they, the, one of the other similarities between Sonia and Rocio is that they both went missing on nights that they went to that fair. Remember that fair we talked about? Right. So they're looking into like the local fair workers, but they don't have a lot of clues. And so like once again, the entire town shows up. They're searching. They're making food, bringing water. I'm standing by a tree playing Wordle, being like, I'm here if you need me, but I'm probably just going to get in the way. And we're like, it's fine. You just are fishing for us to be like, oh, no, we need your help. You're wasting time. You're right. I'm so sorry. As the hours go by, the family of the 17-year-old who went missing in Coin, Malaga, yesterday is beginning to despair. A thorough search of the area is still underway, but the girl's belongings that have been found do not bode well. Some are stained with blood. And so now it's five days missing, and they get word that a body's been found, and they believe it's Sonia, but they need to wait for confirmation. Yeah, and it's her. She was found in a stream with rocks on top of her, like she was found under the rocks. So this is what the cops say happened. That day, the victim had been at the fair in Coin. She said goodbye to her friends just a few meters from her front door. And she was attacked by the perpetrator. She goes home, again, dropped off at yeah. her house. You think you're home free, literally, right? I know. Yeah. Some guy grabs her, throws her in a car. She fights back. He drives her to a secluded location. He assaults her because there are both internal and external injuries, Ugh. and I hate everything. Strangles her with a T-shirt. Remember how T-shirts were found at Rocio's crime scene, too? And now everyone's terrified. But the thing about this one that's different is that Sonia was found quicker than Rocio was. So there's a lot more evidence. It's the smallest, smallest silver lining here. So they get this biological evidence from Sonia's hands and they put it in a DNA database. And remember the cigarettes that were found near Rocio's body? And like the police were so quick to pick those up and get DNA tested or whatever. The biological material on Sonia is a match for whoever was smoking that cigarette. And so they say straight up the person who was on the esplanade near Rocio's body in 1999 was the same person who attacked and killed Sonia. That means Dolores is innocent, right? Like right, and, and right. everyone, every single talking head then and now is incredibly calm about this. Too calm. Yeah, and I'm sitting here screaming, where the fuck is Dolores? Is she seriously still sitting in prison? Netflix gives us zero information about where she is or what's going on. And then at the clear blue sky, we meet Cecilia King because she reaches out with the cops with some information about some piece of trash some fucking nightmare named Tony King but I kind of love Cecilia King because she's a wreck and I like I really like respond to Rex <laughs> I want her to be friends with Fabrice totally. I need them to be friends because they need each other Cecilia girl I hope you're okay I mean that um, when I meet him uh, we he, he's very jealous he's always um, wanting to meet me to take me here, to take me there, and everybody thinks he's lovely and protecting me. So, and I do, I think, oh, he's very nice, he wants to look after me. So that's the kind of man he appears to be that is all on your side. Poor fucking Cecilia, because she tells us about this guy, Tony King. They met in 1996, and, you know, she said he was very controlling and overprotective, but she and everybody else thought that was so adorable. But they start a relationship, and she gets pregnant, and they get married and move to Spain because her sister lives there. In September 97, like, Tony starts acting really weird. She says he's telling lies, losing phones, and crashing cars. Getting into car accidents, and she goes, things like that. I'm like, Cecilia. I know. And Cecilia's scared. She's like, I can't yes. put my finger on it. I don't like this. I really want to get out. I just think, oh, I better watch him because he's scaring me. 
but I don't know why. So cut to two years later, it's 1999. And one night, Tony comes home. He locks himself in the bathroom for an hour. And when he comes out of the bathroom, it is the cleanest it's ever been, bleached top to bottom. And of course, why is this weird? Because he's a fucking loser and he's never cleaned a thing in his life. She's like, I was picking up his shit all the time. So it's really weird that he scrubbed that bathroom top to bottom. And Cecilia is immediately suspicious. And she's right to feel that way because it turns out this is the very night that Rocio disappeared. That night, Rocio disappears. And then that's what made me suspect. And I told all my relatives, all my friends, my sister, everybody, everybody thought that I was crazy, that how can Tony do that? It's me thinking stupid things, you know? I was the, lo- the crazy one, the one that thought her husband had... Um, had killed someone. And she's like, everyone thought I was crazy. My family, my friends were like, he could never do that. You're the crazy one. And I'm not blaming you, Cecilia, but get better friends and family. Can you imagine saying, I think Steve is a murderer and then everyone around you gaslighting (laughs) you and not just feeling concerned and asking a fucking follow-up question and saying, why do you feel this way? What the fuck happened? What happened? Are you okay? Do you need to come over? Cecilia does not come off to me as the kind of person who's always creating a scene. No! One time she says she thinks her husband's a murderer. How about you believe her? You know what I mean? Like, Eva, I just, I don't understand, like, how lonely that must have felt to feel so scared and then have everyone around you be like, you crazy idiot. My next note is like, she goes, well, fuck that. And she separates from Tony. Good on you, Cecilia. Exactly. I was like, but she ends up leaving him anyway. Great. We jump to 2003 and Cecilia goes to the police. She says because she remembers one night when he comes to drop off their daughter, he's got this like big fucking scar like wrapped in a bandage and this was the day Sonia went missing. So she says, Cecilia describes the scene of sitting on the couch with her new boyfriend who's probably much nicer. They see that Sonia's gone missing. They remember the hand with the bandage and they just look at each other like, well, fuck. Tony. Oh, it's Tony. So she tells the cops this and they're like, wait, what? Are you kidding? Tony who? So Tony is really Tony Bromwich. Yes. And he actually committed a series of sexual assaults in London. This guy has a track record. The way he goes in and out of prison and has played the system is maddening. Yeah. And like we get this whole 15 minutes about like the Spanish authorities had let the British authorities know that he was in their country and they didn't do anything about it and vice versa. It was like one of those things where like people get away with shit because it slips through the cracks like the Ted Bundy of it all. And then I'm like, I'm sorry, is Dolores still sitting in prison? What is happening? Because (laughs) he then Tony confesses. So that was that was it. King was arrested and um, allegedly made confessions in the first few days, both to the National Police and then to the Guardia Civil. Where is Dolores? Where is she? Is she still serving 15 years? And then I'm like, oh, wait, no, because then we learned just now that she was out of prison because she was awaiting a new trial, to which I say, that would have been nice to know, Netflix. (laughs) I know, because my note after all of that is get that lesbian out of prison. Because seriously, for all we know, she's still sitting there screaming about her innocence when two countries know that this other guy did it and no one's saying anything about it. But the thing is, I just want to say that like Dolores is out of prison because a judge re-looked at that and went like, wait, what? Yeah. Like there was no evidence that she did this and the jury was never able to articulate to anybody why they even thought she was guilty beyond the fact that she was just a lesbian how long will it take to get her out get that lesbian out of prison (laughs) you need to make an album of indigo girls covers just based on episodes that we've done so after 519 days in prison, she's out and she makes a public appearance i wouldn't wish prison on anyone i've been through some terrible times For many months, I'd rather not not talk about it. 
I spent two months, over three months, in solitary confinement. Well, and what else is there to say? And she says that, like, from the beginning when they picked me up, the interrogation was very powerful brainwashing. She's like, they said to me, it doesn't matter if you did this. It doesn't matter if you tell us because we're going to say you did it. Everyone's going to believe us. And she's like, and that is exactly what happened. And then we're back with Beatrice. She's sort of our, our like, lesbophobia expert. And she also says, because she works for GLAAD, I think, or she works for an LGBTQ organization. Excuse you. She wrote a book called The Construction of the Evil Lesbian. Wow. Um, I'm sorry. I got to get that on my bookshelf. Yeah. Um, but she, she's like, honestly, like I even had some internal lesbophobia. Like she's coming to terms with what the media did. And because she wrote, yeah, you're right. She wrote a book about how Dolores was treated. And so she says like the press would use things like the fact that she did karate, like how bad, what an evil bad lesbian. She was too manly. She held too much authority. She was too confident. They were painting her as this like evil masculine woman. Also, they say she couldn't have kids. So she was just jealous that she couldn't be a mother. And so that's the other part of the reason why she killed her. Like, oh, Oh my god and then it cuts back to sonia's mom and i'm like we learned that sonia's mom does not listen to tco because she is shocked to find out that the wrong person was convicted i know she these people who just trust the system it. wake up we were stunned if they if they were accusing the wrong person if you don't have enough evidence at least don't accuse someone else right If they'd kept investigating and not focused on just one person, they would have found him. And so what happened to my girl would have been avoided. So now we cut to England and we meet this woman named Christine. She's an artist. And she sees on the news that this guy, Tony King, had been arrested. He's the guy that did all those sexual assaults in London. And he also killed Sonia and he killed Rocio. And she's shouting at the TV. She's like, that's not Tony King. That's Tony Bromwich. She remembers his English name from back in the days when he was committing all of those sex crimes in London. And then we hear this absolutely harrowing story of how she survived yeah. an attack back in 1985. Probably the first blow was the hardest. I hit the floor. I had this fracture in my skull. He tied my scarf tight. Back in 1985, this guy was like, before they caught him, they had a name for him. He was the Holloway Strangler. He killed seven fucking women. The youngest was 15. The oldest was in her 30s. And this is where we get Christine's story about him attacking her in the elevator. And like, he beats her and tries to rape her. And then she's like cowering in a corner with blood dripping down her face. She's pregnant. And she says to him, like, please don't kill my baby. And she says, like, that seemed to work on him. And she goes, go, run, go, go, go. I won't tell anybody. And he fucking did. It worked. And she never forgot his face. So when she saw him on the news, she knew that that was the guy that had done this to her. And then poor Cecilia. We just cut to Cecilia, who is now like traumatized that she was married to the Holloway Strangler. Like she can't. She's like, I've second guessed everything I've ever done. Like after that, like she she's completely traumatized. This guy, the Holloway Strangler, was so notorious in London before they could even catch him that in 1996, he appears on this show called Crime Watch. Late on a Sunday night, about three weeks ago, an au pair was assaulted as she walked home near Leatherhead in Surrey. Police believe one man in particular may be able to help. He's one of the passengers at Epsom Station. It's about half past 11 on Sunday, August the 10th. Is this you? Were you on the platform too? If you were there at Leatherhead or at Epsom, do call, even if you don't recall the man. And please ring right away. If it's you, 
or if you can tell us who he is. Where basically he attacked a woman in a subway station and then like clear as day, he like walks up the stairs and like you see his face on CCTV. And that that's what that artist, Christine, the one that was attacked in the elevator, she sees him there and she calls in and reports the crime that had happened to her. And the host, his name is Nick Ross, Again, clear as day, this footage. He's like, is this you? Because if it's you, we're coming to get you. And I'm like, that's going to make anybody flee the country. And that's exactly what happens. Because now Tony sees this on the news. He's like, oh, shit, I've been caught. And that's why he flees to Spain. So now we cut back to Rocio's mom. Basically, she's confronted with the fact that Dolores, her former spouse of 11 years, like the one who like she would say to any news outlet, she's fucking guilty. She killed my kid. She says she does not feel like she owes Dolores an apology of any kind. What she says is she's like, I didn't do anything wrong. The cops told me Dolores did this. She says, if anyone is going to apologize to that woman, it should be the police. I don't owe anyone an apology. I didn't lock anyone up. Holy shit, Alicia. First of all, why did you break up to now after all of this say that woman like that? Oh, my God. You want to talk about a cold (laughs) lesbian? Alicia is fucking cold as ice. (laughs) But now we also see Tony King's trial and I'm like, oh, shocker. He's insane. He admitted to both murders. He admitted to the murder of Rocio and to Sonia. And now he's screaming at anyone who who will listen that he's innocent. He tries to implicate Dolores. Can we just leave her alone and let her listen (laughs) to the Indigo Girls in peace? My God. How long till I get some peace and quiet? Because she has to hold a fucking press conference and poor Dolores is beside herself. I don't know anything about this man. Nothing at all. The only thing I know is that I've already been condemned once and I am scared to death that it'll happen again. I am innocent, gentlemen, and I want the court to see my innocence. I shouldn't have to be here now justifying myself. I shouldn't have to justify anything. Every time a crazy person tries to say you killed somebody going forward, you don't have to hold a press conference you poor thing the reason she's doing that is like no one is acknowledging that they fucked up and ruined her life because this guy is still trying to implicate her he's loving being on trial by the way they even say like he wants to be the main character he's not the main character but like he has that main character energy and he sucks what happens is that even though Dolores is fully exonerated no not a single journalist retracts anything nobody apologizes nobody takes any responsibility she's not compensated there's like no acknowledgement or ownership and Dolores is like look I like the money sure it would be nice but I don't care about that and she essentially says it's the principle of the thing well because she talks about like she can't go anywhere without people nudging each other and pointing at her I don't understand how she didn't get some sort of financial compensation we see her at court testifying trying to get some compensation she gets nothing how is that possible I don't know especially when it's so clear that this guy did it with DNA and he's admitting to it so I don't know like there's no conversation here it's not maybe it's like it's very very clear what happened and no one wants to be a hero and apologize. We cut back to Tony's wife real quick. It's a really big shock. I can't explain how big of a shock and how much washing I've done to try and get rid of Tony. You know, the feel of Tony on me. Yeah. It's left me scared of men. Totally. But what kept me going was my daughter and my son. This poor lady, she's like, you cannot know how much washing I've done to try to get Tony off of me. I know, <laughs> you Cecilia. Poor thing. I know. I love you, girl. I hope you're okay. Like, I hope you're. I'm. I'm no. I know the therapy is hard, but it's totally worth it. Seriously. Oh my God, I love you, Cecilia. The other thing too is like Christine, the artist. Like, she's a much, much older woman now, and she says this thing that kind of broke my heart. Like, she's never really had the opportunity to tell her story, and I think in the grand scheme of what this guy did, she didn't think her 
story was that important. But she says, I'm glad to speak and I'm glad that what happened to me was important enough for you to come to me. I know. That she was included. She was a singer. She was going to get signed to a big label and her trauma, and we see that we've seen this a lot with Heaven's Gate, her trauma manifested in a way that she lost her voice and her singing voice wasn't what it was and she lost her record deal. So now she's like, wait, my voice is meaningful? Oh my God. And because of her, like, you know, Dolores was exonerated and because, you know, all this horrible stuff happened, but she's a major important player in this. Yeah. Do you think Dolores even likes the Indigo Girls? Should we send her some, like, a care package of, like... Oh, my God. I could round up, like, a Lilith Fair care package to send her Paula Cole, Lisa Loeb, Jewel. Because you know she has a CD player. Normally, I'd say just make a Spotify playlist, but you know Dolores has a CD player still. I want to put Dolores in touch with my mom. I feel like they'd be best friends. (laughs) Oh, girl, we did what the Murder by the Coast? Is that what it's called? Murder by the Coast, yeah. Oh my God, what a crazy one. I loved this documentary today. I'm so glad. I really, I was looking at my phone. I'm like, he's going to be texting me about how much he hates this. But I'm so glad (laughs) that I was wrong. (laughs) You guys, if you want more Jillian and me, join us on the Patreon. Over 300 full ad-free bonus episodes to download and binge right this second. Tell them some of the stuff we did. We did Night Stalker, Heaven's Gate, Lorena. The The Vow. The Jinx. Serial Season 1. The Staircase. Lula Rich. Relentless. Tiger King. Don't F with Cats. Every single long-form series you've ever wanted us to cover. It's right there on the page. You get it all the second you sign up. Don't forget, we're playing Broadway Monday, April 11th. If you have tickets, we'll see you there. If you have tickets and you need to unload them, go to the pinned post in the Facebook group and get in there where, where you can sell your tickets to somebody who wants to go. This show is going to be crazy. We're talking like surprises I don't want to tell you yet, but it's going to be bananas. But we're kind of bursting about it. It's kind of, it's, uh, <laughs> it's going to be a thing. So if you haven't seen us live before and you really want to, get into that Facebook group and yes. uh, see if there are tickets available for you. Let me tell you this. This is the first First uh, live show we've ever done that requires rehearsal. That's all. Ooh. That's uh-huh. all I'm going to say. I mean, little plie here and there. I got to <laughs> warm up. Got to warm up. Girl, what are we doing next? We are doing Jessica Chambers and ID Murder Mystery. Ooh, I don't know this one. Oh, it is um, Welcome to Your Nightmares. It's absolutely oh. horrible. Highly requested. Okay. And absolutely terrifying. Okay, great. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Much like Jillian Pensavalli herself. <laughs> I'm very controversial. <laughs> All right, you guys, stay tuned for the trailer for that and our funny and hilarious outtakes. And we love you. We love you. And that's it. Goodbye. We love you. The firefighters see something. We started asking who did this to you. They think she says Eric or Derek. You promised to God on that? You promised on your mama to God, right? Why hand to your mama? Why hand on my mama? It's difficult to imagine a more horrifying scene. It's like something from The Walking Dead. You would not wish this on your worst enemy. An event so horrendous, it nearly destroys a family. She said, my leg, mama. They took something from me that can't nobody replace. And divides a small Mississippi town. If the judge doesn't keep a very tight grip on things, it could quickly get out of hand. He jumps up and just goes nuts. He goes ballistic. In a case with twists no one saw coming. Two torturous murders of two different women in two different states. Verdict has to be unanimous. Will the Chambers family ever see justice for Jessica? And he erased her from his life. Right. late for the night to be starting 
What am I on? Cocaine. <laughs> my favorite meme. I know. I, what, but I think in the meme, the party starts at like nine. Eight. Eight o'clock. <laughs> I was invited to go to a party that starts at eight p.m. What am I on? Cocaine. Seriously. Ah. <laughs> uh, it's literally like a matter of time, though. Like we got like another year or two of this planet. No. Um. Yeah. That's pretty generous. It's Might January. Well fun, it's girl. ninety-eight degrees. I wore shorts to work today, girl. Ah. <laughs> uh, nightmare. Way to name check your hustle, GP. Well done. Well done. It was done. Good as a podcast from prison. Come on. 100%. I li- you think I live under a rock. Sometimes you think I'm no. the coolest person for staying up past 10 o'clock. And sometimes you think I just sit in my house and do nothing and I don't know anything. Like, you can't pick the lane sometimes. That. And I love that. I How long will it take to get her out? Get that lesbian out of prison. You need to make an album of Indigo Girls covers, (laughs) just based on episodes that we've done.